You right? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, recording in the morning seemed like a good idea this week until the alarm outside went off at three o'clock this morning for the next four hours. So that was good. good. Was that your alarm? The police didn't seem that interested. I don't know what alarm it was. I, it was clearly uh, along the road somewhere, but because I couldn't say which alarm it was, they went, nah. <laughs> it's like you've been put through to our meh <laughs> yeah, line you've been put through to our meh department we just don't <laughs> care about that we've got crime to fight we think you're interested in your alarm <laughs> <laughs> oh well let's go for it and let's make it short and sweet because it's not a difficult subject we're tackling this week is no it? it's just very straightforward it's just how you approach the entire bible so that's great <laughs> Welcome to episode 83 of the Mid-Faith Crisis. Uh, yes, me, Nick Page, him, Joe Davis. <laughs> and Nick has has literally had to get up at the crack of 9.30am. <laughs> I know, this is a day... <laughs> Listen, I have booked this as a day off. This is a day off. Well, you and deserve have, a day off. You've been a busy boy, haven't you? I have been a busy boy. I've been down at, uh, um, over the bank holiday weekend... Speaking at a conference called the Bush Conference, which has been going for a long time. The Bush yeah, Conference, tw- nice. Twenty-five years down in Devon. Hmm. Good. It's lovely on a farm. Nice people. Great. Uh, hello to the podcast listeners who came and said hello, um, Matt and Patrick and Mark. Uh, ah, really nice to catch up with you. Yes, they're real. Imagine meeting real. nearly a quarter of our audience in one I know. Three of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. A conglomeration down in Devon. That's great. Why is it called the Bush Conference and how I is don't know. how is the Bush? I, I don't know, but the Bush was lovely and uh, burning. Good. I made, maybe that was it. Maybe that was where it came from. I never asked actually. Well, I yeah. uh, one of my bank holiday jobs was in fact to trim my bush. So, um, oh, hmm. oh! It's Let's too early in the it. morning for this. It's too early. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Anyway, hey, but what <laughs> a great what, you said? what a great bank holiday it was. We had a massive cream tea on Sunday Did afternoon you? at our house. It was lovely. Should yeah. we explain that for the uh, uh, colonials? We could do a cream tea is where you have scones or scones, whichever you prefer. Mm. And you put the always put the clotted cream on first, followed by the jam. Uh, um, that is wrong. A cream tea is actually where you have scones or scones, whichever you prefer. But you always put the jam on. No, first, you don't. Followed by the cream. No, yeah, that's, of course you do. No, you don't be stupid because the cream is like the butter. You don't put jam and no, then spread butter on top of jam, do you? you that would be absolutely the cream absurd. On, the butter slips. Up. Right, I declare schism. Right, well... Get out, I'm splitting this church. (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) This isn't even rehearsed, listeners. Nick genuinely is that ignorant. Uh, no, which is a sadness. I to can't. Me. Which which county is it? Like Devon does the one cream does it one way. I don't know. I'm not even going to go there actually because they really will be angry. Uh, anyway, the, the point is, I am actually going to Cornwall on Saturday. Thank you, Lord. Oh, lovely, lovely uh, holiday. That has been. And a long I'm time off coming. to Nice in the south of France oh, yeah. a week after that. Mm. Get you for a week. Oh. I only get a week because I'm not as holy as you. No, quite. But what that means, podcast listeners, all twelve of you, is that uh, I think we're going to take a little break. Yes. Um, rather than try and put up, you know, three episodes in advance yeah. or anything like that. No. And um, what I might do is put some greatest hits up. 
<laughs> you know, just I might put. Uh, we'll do. A, I noticed because I noticed. Do you listen to it in our time at all, Melvin Black? Blag, Melvin no. Black. <laughs> talking Black. Melvin Black. 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 His, <laughs> his party-going brother. Um, uh, um, they over the summer they put up some of the old episodes, yeah. so I might I might just schedule a couple of old episodes okay, to go up, enough. just so you've got something in your feed. You might not have heard them. I know we've got some new, lots of new listeners. Um, but I think we'll just take a little break, and then we'll be back. Um, after the after we're back from our holes, I guess. Sounds like a plan. And also, before we move on to really important things, can I just say that God appears to be a fan of English cricket. Have you noticed that? Ah. Oh. What a match. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And we have got what some Australian listeners who not infrequently rub it in about the cricket. So, ha, to you. <laughs> yes. And that was in no way out, that LBW decision. That was just... <laughs> no, of course. And, uh, no, ah, oh. sport. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Sport at its best is, is so compelling, so good. It Such is. an experience. It I is. couldn't believe it. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'll put a link up for uh, listeners maybe to somewhere that might explain it to um, to, to people who are, as they say, foreign. Yes, quite. Because um, you know. <laughs> yes. cricket is one of those games that really yeah. a lot of people look at and go, really? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, um, yeah, great. Uh, good. So should we get on? Shall we? Okay, right. Let's, let's... You, you've got packing to do. No, I have got packing to do. Okay, so um, okay, just a quick one from Matt, who said, loving the podcast as always. Thank you so much for all you share of yourselves, your wisdom. Nick came and spoke at our church in Burntwood last summer and was oh, brilliant. Yeah. And I booked into Lee Abbey next summer. So he so said, looking forward to it. And then he sent this um, prayer about birds, which I've put on our Facebook page. Brilliant. I'll put it on the website as well. And I ought to say that uh, if you're interested in the events that we're doing, uh, there are links on the website to Joe's uh, day that you're doing with Dave Tomlinson on yeah. the Enneagram and to the Lee Abbey week that I'm doing yeah. and the Lee Abbey week that we're doing together. Yeah, some, someone did write in asking what's the difference between the two weeks. Well, the difference is Joe's not at one. so you know, <laughs> Yes, that's, that's the good one. That's, what, that's why it costs more to go to that one. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> If you want to go and see a successful author, go to Nick's one. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, Angus uh, talks about the mid-faith crisis and the disciples on the road to Emmaus, actually. Quite interesting. He finishes it. Rather than badly behaved, talking about the BBB, which I know was mm. deliberately and brilliantly ironic, Nick, I think the Bible or the scriptures are veiled. Veiled being the word of a man, but not the word of God. A set of tools containing man's historical inaccuracies, contradictions, misunderstandings and misdemeanors in the name of God. Inspired by God, yes. Containing words of God, yes. But veiled by being the word or words of man. This mystery of the veiling and the unveiling of God's truth and light, alongside the joys and the despairing of life, is so beautifully stated in the passage by Paul in 2 Corinthians. And then he goes on to quote a couple of passages from 2 Corinthians, you know, about the gospel being veiled yes, and jars indeed. of clay. Blah, blah, blah. Which are, yeah, I think that's true, actually. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It's just it would have been a rubbish title, Angus. That's exactly uh, veil, what I thought. Blah, blah. But I think he goes on to admit that, doesn't he? So he that's does. Fine, you know. Yes. Uh, yes. But it's uh, that's pretty much a lot of what I'm saying in the book, actually, yeah. It has been a good old journey, though, hasn't it, going through this? Right, It has been for me. I've actually learned yeah, quite I've a lot Yeah, I've enjoyed reading the book. I didn't know I'd written that. It's <laughs> just very good, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. I've been trying to tell you all this time. OK, uh, Tim uh, says this. Uh, hello, Joe and Nick. He says, uh, thank you for the 82nd wonderful episode. Thank you for doing this, blah, blah, blah. I'm enjoying reading the BBB. It taught me more relevant theology than my three-year theology degree. <laughs> oh, I, 
<laughs> yeah, it always makes me chuckle when I think back to my late teens when I told members of the church I was going to study theology at university and that would include modules on things like Islam and Christianity. Many people asked me if I was strong enough. Did I have enough faith to study theology? I didn't get what they meant. I just loved the subject. The answer in the end was no, I wasn't strong enough. <laughs> my comfortable all-knowing faith, faith was torn to shreds, which in hindsight was the best thing that could have ever happened. I think the BBB should be on the reading list of all religious uh, studies degrees. So there we are. Right. That's a nice one from uh, He won't get me disagreeing on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was really nice. He went on to say lots of other really groovy things. And then uh, I think I've just got this one here from uh, Vida's grandpa. Uh, <laughs> I wonder well, who John, that... as he's sometimes known, but <laughs> yeah, not not on Facebook though. No. no. Anyway, he says uh, he said you wrote a lovely long uh, emails. Uh, he says, "Hey fellas, enjoying reading the book." He says, "I really appreciate the bit about doubt, as I do think the church pushes it off uh, much too often when the conversation could be a great avenue to deeper faith." Something I read 30 years ago in Will Durant's The Story of Philosophy philosophy, sorry, has struck me since then. And then he's got this quote, which seems rather good. Philosophy begins when one learns to doubt, particularly to doubt one's cherished beliefs, one's dogmas and one's axioms. Who knows how these cherished beliefs became certainties with us and whether some secret wish did not furtively beget them, clothing desire in the dress of thought. There is no real philosophy until the mind turns round and examines itself. And he says, I've always felt I could replace philosophy with faith as it's as meaningful. It's a good sentence. I love that whole Very clothing good. desire yeah. in the dress of thought. Wow, wow, wow. And then he goes on to say about tithing. He, he did a little bit about tithing. But he said, and, and this was a good point at the end, tithing isn't about making sure God has enough money. Tithing has always been about learning to trust God to be the one who provides rather than trusting ourselves. I've also found, he says, few cases where people who talk about generosity over tithing are very generous. <laughs> he says, you guys notwithstanding, of course. No, you're right. I'm as tight as tight can be, John. So he says, in any case, that's my two cents because 10 cents is too much. <laughs> that's really good. That's a that's good really point. Good. I do think, I think the flip side of that actually about the tithing thing is that we're terribly mealy-mouthed in the church about talking about money. Oh, and yes. I'm dreadful about you are the worst when, when it comes to myself I am because I never think I'm worth very much but I'm really good at, at, at you know talking about it on behalf of other yeah. people other <laughs> churches and charities and things like that yeah and, yeah that's true. and I just think we get really you know get terribly probably sort of oh well if you want give this or do that no if you if you know if this stuff is going to continue it's got to be supported it's all part of the insidious dualism that we talk about we think we can't talk about politics we think we can't talk yeah. about money or sex or all the rest of it whereas yeah. actually spirituality profoundly covers all of those sacred cows all of those areas they're so important yeah that's a really good point yeah. yes indeed okay well Friends, here we go. Shall we do this? Okay. Shall we? Let me set the scene. Let's start with chapter nine, which is entitled by the author of the Badly Behaved Bible, It Ain't Necessarily So. Hmm. Mm. What heresy comes, methinks. And uh, here's, here's, the opening, uh, here's the opening paras from chapter nine. There is a lot of killing in the Bible. There are all those animal sacrifices for one thing. When you read the instructions for animal sacrifice in the Bible, you realise that basically they are instructions for a barbecue. The temple was a cross between an avatar and a burger bar. Then there's the violence, the bloodshed. 
The first murder takes place just a few chapters into Genesis when Cain kills his brother Abel for motives that are never entirely clear. That's bad enough, but a few chapters further in, God decides to drown everyone, almost everyone, in a flood. Throughout Genesis and on into the rest of the Pentateuch, there are wars and violence and rape and pillage. Then you get to Joshua with its genocidal tendencies and the book of Judges, which starts with a captured king having his thumbs and big toes cut off and ends with a mass abduction and rape of girls who thought they were going out for a dance. Judges is the gospel according to Quentin Tarantino. A lot of these incidents are just down to the anarchic state of society. In those days there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes, says judges. So the violence, while horrible, is at least believable as a product of the time. The early Iron Age was not an enlightened era of politeness and refinement. It was brutal, violent, horrific and entirely lacking in decent plumbing. But this general violence is not really where the problem lies. Humans do horrific things to each other. We know that. The problem comes when God commands the violence, when God apparently gets really specific about who is to be killed. Well, thank you. You raise a very good point there. And of course, we come to one of the biggest. Well, I think you said this is one of the biggest questions you ever get asked, really. About well, this the Bible. is really where the book started, actually. Um And annoyingly, really annoyingly, I came up with a great title. I see. So. Always, I would come up. People would come up to me and say, uh, "You know, what about the God of the Old Testament? What about the violence? Mm. What about the time when He orders destruction?" Yeah. And that, and for years, I've been saying to publishers, "Look, we you, somebody needs to do a, a book on this. Somebody needs to do an accessible yeah. look at the different approaches to this." Mm. And and I couldn't find one for a long time. Actually, a few have come out uh, since then. Pete Pete Ends and people Pete like that have done good, stuff. Yeah. But um, but uh, and I even came up with a great title for it, which is called "We Need to Talk About Jehovah." Mm. and yeah. i'd had this title yeah. for years yeah. and the funny thing is when i finally came to write it and I, I so i thought well i will have to write that book but i didn't want to write that whole book about mm. that so it became just a chapter in in this book okay and the right. book grew yeah. really oh, to talk about a lot of other things and but the curious thing is when i came to write that chapter what did i do i forgot that title completely and called it something else <laughs> and i'm yeah. really kicking myself because yeah. i should, should have called it that for those that you don't know, know there's a there's a profoundly disturbing film called we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, yes yes <laughs> so, and a book yeah, um by yes. lionel shriver so you know it, you. anyway the, but, but anyway it doesn't matter the point yeah. is um this is the thing that i i i one of the things that i get asked about the most um and yeah. uh, b- because it is so clear, there were points, a few points, not many, but there are a few points in the Bible where God says, kill a lot of them. Men, yes. women, children, chickens, cows, yeah, amoeba, it- everything. And so we've got a split personality God now, haven't we? Because we're trying to tell people God is love. We're trying to say that what God wants us to do yeah. is turn the other cheek, forgive people, 70 times seven people. We need to love even our enemies. Just at the And then on the other hand, we've got a God who doesn't do that. We've got yes. a God who will even kill their chickens. Uh, yes. and, and their babies and yeah. anyone they knew and their second cousins, their neighbours. <laughs> uh, you know, th- that's the kind of God uh, we're trying to get people to worship. So you take us very helpfully. I don't know that we need to rehearse these no. now, but you, no, the five you, you, you do the sort yeah. of five. These are five ways that traditionally Christians have tried to understand the violence. And uh, mm. but, but your summarising point is that, well, the problem with all of these answers and some which are slightly more t- satisfactory than others um including the one that says well god can do whatever god will pleases uh, because he's god uh 
the the place where you land is that in every case you say on page 216 god behaves completely unlike jesus Mm. and Mm. so that becomes a problem why is that a problem well i think i mean if we just take that one argument say well god it's not it's not wrong if god does it yeah um you know i i personally find it hard to believe in a god who uh, is you know says one thing and does another yeah you know i think i why why do i behave, why do i expect more out of my managers yeah my line manager than i expect out of god yeah. you know i expect integrity out of them and authenticity i'm expected yeah. to walk the talk and the whole yeah. point of jesus mission was to say you've got to walk the talk you've got yeah. to, your, your life so i don't think that ever stacks up for me yeah, uh, and you know some of the other arguments. You know, it was the brutal times and all this kind of stuff. I go through them and I, I, I skewer them. And also the idea. There's the other one that's really strange. And here's the. Just I do you want to touch on it a little bit, Joe? This um, you know that these were the worst people who ever lived. So it's okay to get rid of them. And yeah. and and their children would have been born with this evil. And it's really yeah. and it's led actually to an absolutely pernicious theology which is sometimes known as a malachite theology so the amalekites one of the people that god's yeah god tells um, moses and various others you know go and destroy the amalekites the, mm. the amorites the mm. the highlights the marmites the mm. you know all these shittites anyway mm. <laughs> same to you and uh it's led to a theology where you can just say oh well they that group of people they're equivalent to the amalekites so we need to destroy yeah. them and 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 you can point to examples of preachers who've said that in relating to to uh, yeah. in this in the 17th century in the 16th century as recently as Rwanda you know yeah. all these kinds of stuff yeah. it goes yeah. on so you have to kind of root this out and you have to say first and foremost we are Christians so we, you know well I am anyway uh, I don't know about you yeah. uh, but uh, you know we we we, <laughs> we root it in Christ yeah and 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 the the real I'm sure we talked about this before you know if you are Trinitarian if you believe in the Trinity yeah Father Son and floaty thing as you yeah. said before thank you um it doesn't just mean that that uh, Jesus was was like God. You know, mm. it means that God is like Jesus. Yes, exactly right. And that so the the quote that uh, yeah. you know comes from Michael Ramsey: uh, "God is Christ-like, and in Him there is no un-Christ-likeness yes, at that. all." Yeah. So you have that problem. You that's why I cannot believe in these commands literally personally yeah. and i know this is where people get very angsty about the, the book uh, in yeah. that I'm, sure. I'm essentially talking about the historicity of these events but i believe we follow a christ-like god and that's really important so okay so let me cut to the cut to the chase as regards yeah. the absolute heresy that we're reading yeah 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 your one solution, of the many your solution and this is this is the point at which you know everyone who's stuck with it so far might say, right, it's time to burn yes. Nick Page. Your yes. solution is that actually no, it it it's it's story. Mm. That's where you land, isn't it? Essentially. Mm. So I, my question for you, Nick Page, uh, before we burn you, is why can we legitimately, without disregarding history, without disregarding the the so-called authority of scripture, which we talked about last time, why can we legitimately view this as story? Um, a, th- a couple of reasons. One, because there's a lot of evidence to show that it never happened. 
uh, and mm. it never even happened with you know that ev- a lot of evidence comes from within the pages of the Bible. So you have pa- yeah. you have uh, descriptions of destruction, say of Hazor, the, yeah. the 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 one of the cities in Joshua, and yet a few pages on, it's still it's apparently still around and thriving. So there's lots of different traditions going on here anyway of what yeah. happened. Um, so we have to sort of navigate those. Two, because as we said repeatedly through these podcasts, the Bible is not just one type of writing. Mm. And what we want to do is take a later type of writing, which we call history, yes, and apply it to this early type of writing, which was being written and being developed at a time when history writing, as we understand it, hadn't actually been invented. Nick, I think so, this is so sorry. important. No, but what you're saying here is so important. I may even have to get you to say that again, because th- this is it. We think we understand what history is. We know mm. it's the facts. It's literal. It's, you know, on the 2nd of March, 1965, one of the greatest days in history, Joe Davis was born. It's that kind of level of literal accuracy. But mm. what you're saying is no, there, there's another way of writing history um, that we don't use now. No, we we no. wouldn't regard it as history. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. It's I, it's writing tradition really, um, or root stories or things like that. It's yeah. It's I I wouldn't I, and it's actually it's more helpful in the Tanakh in the Jewish Bible because they don't it, what we did in our um sort of uh, later Bibles is we we lump a, a group of writings together and call them the histories. Mm. So they they run from Joshua, you yeah. know, right through to Chronicles, and then these are histories. Yeah. The Jewish Bible doesn't do that. It has the the Torah, the first five books, yeah, and then it has a thing called the Prophets, the Nevi'im, yeah. yeah, and then it has the Ketuvim, which is writings, yeah, and it doesn't classify at them as history. It sort of looks at them as so. Actually, Kings, right. I think, is in Prophets and things like that. It's, oh, it's really, really odd uh, because it talks about the Prophets, so it kind of avoids that categorization that we want to put on it. So you have to understand that before generally accepted before Herodotus, a Greek writer Herodotus, mm. you don't get history writing as we would understand it. In other words, investigating the sources, using mm. uh, witnesses, you know, using any kind of documented source. Mm. And, of course, that's not to say that the Bible ha- doesn't have that. Um, mm. When you get to books like Ezra, Nehemiah, even mm. a Kings, which and mm. talks about sources, they're, they're, they're using sources. They're saying this, is, this can be found in the annals of here. Here's, the, here's this, yeah. here's that. I have written many times, and I will carry on doing this, defending the historicity of the Gospels. Yeah. Not only have I argued that the Gospels are a historically reliable document, I've even suggested dates and time. Yeah. You know, there's a series yeah. of books that does that. So, but the point is, that's a different type of writing. Yes, that's not what yeah. Joshua is. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, my my solution to it is to so, say that actually, let's read this as a story. And say, what is it? What is it saying yeah. to us out of that? Then, yeah, and and I should say, this isn't just a convenient opt out of the difficulty of violence in the Bible. You you also point to the archaeological uh, evidence for such things and saying, well, basically there isn't for some of this stuff. And, no, and that in itself is an indicator because there clearly would be uh, archaeological evidence for some of the things that. that well, Josh you know, I, again, about. some people feel very anxious privileging archaeology over scripture and archaeology is not an exact science and um yeah, archaeologists i thought theologians were bitchy but archaeologists mm. they're even worse to each other but anyway <laughs> um that but the, but the, you you know you have got to accept that uh, as far as the archaeology shows us for example somewhere like uh, jericho was actually in ruins at the time 
it's supposed to be being ruined. You know, it was actually already been uninhabited for a, a while. Right. So, and, and the word I, so there's that other famous battle, uh, mm. uh, um, uh, I or A, uh, whatever. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Imagine you come from a town called A. Oh, that's tricky. Or yeah, I. So if, uh, yeah, everybody, so where are you from, A? I said, a? where are you from? Anyway, um, <laughs> A actually means ruins. That's what it means. Ah. Uh. So, so... There's a lot in there. The other thing I really want to strongly say is that the Bible, you know, actually alters, it, it critiques itself. It sort of amends its view of history. There's different views yeah. of it. So mm. there was different strands in there, different traditions. Yeah. You you hear different accounts. You just have to... And, and it's quite clear that whatever happened, whatever was supposed to happen, didn't actually really happen. The Amalekites are still around later. Yeah. You know, the Canaanites are still around later. They weren't thoroughly destroyed. So yeah. maybe it's not really about... The actual yeah. Canaanites at all? Maybe it's maybe this person who's writing yeah. this is talking about something else. Yeah, that yeah. So yeah, that, and, that and, and you mentioned the 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 story of the sun standing still in the sky. Yeah, so oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and all yeah, those yeah. kind of things. And yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, I think this stuff is fantastic. For the sake of brevity, yes. might I oh, read to you from brief. the end of your chapter? Because I just thought you put it so well. Is that okay, right? Okay, yeah, great. Yes, I mean, yes, if you don't, yes. don't like I know, it, can, I'm fine. I have a little sleep. You great. can edit this all out, but um, just to sort of underline some of the things you've been saying here. You say this, so page 234. God is Christ-like, and in him there is no un-Christ-likeness at all. I want to repeat that. If we want to read the Bible properly, we must read it through the lens of Jesus Christ. And if one part of the Bible says something that conflicts with what Jesus says, well, I'm going to listen to Jesus first. That doesn't mean I reject these kind of texts or refrain from grappling with them. I want to keep on praying and talking and thinking about these passages and asking God to reveal their application for my life. If I put aside the historicity or otherwise and think of the daily battles that I have to fight to take possession of my own life, I have plenty enough Canaanites to fight in that context. Canaanites can stand for all the things that tempt us away from following God. We can read these stories as an encouragement to purity and integrity and in resisting the culture around us, rather than an encouragement to genocide. Or I could see these stories as a message about never going into conflict for personal gain. The demand not to take a single item of booty is common to all these texts of destruction. Or I could reflect on how difficult it is to hear the command of God and ask myself whether there haven't been many times in my life when I have mistakenly believed that God hates the same people that I do. Or I could imagine the victims, their terror, their panic, their grief and loss. Maybe this that will inspire me to think about the victims today of all those who kill and maim and bomb, believing that somehow God has commanded them to do it. Or I could simply contrast this passage with the message of Jesus and wrestle with the challenge of living a Jesus-shaped life in the midst of a culture that is every bit as addicted to violence in the age of Joshua and Judges. The same kind of approach is true for so many of these difficult stories in the early parts of the Bible. They're trying to tell us lots of important and true things. That the universe was created by God, that human beings are made in God's likeness, that cheats, failures and drunkards can still be a part of God's plan for history, that God is powerful and ever-present and lots, lots more. But they are not trying to be our kind of history. Because the writers of ancient history, and this is the same for ancient history outside the Bible, didn't really think that way. Instead, the Bible simply presents us with these stories and invites us to read. Well, my friend, well said. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a superb... Gosh, it didn't sound too sub- bad. I might change a bit of that, but you know. 
<laughs> no, it's really, really good. Uh, I, I want us to move on to chapter yeah. 10. Uh, and chapter 10 is entitled Thinking Again About Reading the Bible. This is the author's rallying cry uh, to get us uh, not to dismiss the Bible, but to really mm. engage with it. And um, so uh, I just want to read a little bit here from the start of why Jesus, Paul and Matthew yeah. would all fail preaching class. I mean, that's such a great... Uh, t- <laughs> have I read enough or is this all right? Yeah, no, I, no, no, carry yeah, on. Okay, no, okay. no, okay. Just, just, so, so after uh, a little uh, reading from Zephaniah, you say this. Uh, why Jesus, Paul and Matthew would all fail preaching class. I want to close by going back to where we started, to the idea of Bible study. An idea which for many people is about as appealing as tonsillitis. All it is too often is the opportunity for humiliation or embarrassment. You know, like those moments in house group or youth group when the leader says, why don't we start by reading the passage? We'll go round the circle and each of us will read out three or four verses. How does that sound? Everyone nods their head. Some people even look excited, but you know exactly how it sounds. It sounds terrifying because you know how this is going to end up. You're going to get the names, the verses with the places that no one can pronounce. The people with names like Mephibosheth or Amibelech or Wamalanga Bingbang. It's an... Thank you, that well-known biblical name. It's inevitable. It doesn't even matter if there are no names in the passage. They will miraculously appear in the text the moment it gets to you because that's what the Bible study is all about, revealing your ignorance. And he said, as I said in the beginning, I'm all for responsible biblical interpretation, understanding the historical context, exploring the grammar and the word meanings, all that exegesis stuff has its place. But there's one thing that should keep it in perspective. And that is that Paul didn't read the Bible like that at all, nor did Matthew or Peter, and most of all, nor did Jesus. Jesus Mm. had what you might call a flexible attitude to his use of scripture. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) A flexible attitude? A flexible attitude? Not in this church. (laughs) You can take your flexible attitude and you can stick it up your exegesis. Well, indeed. I suppose what I'm trying to say, I think we might have already covered this, there's no right way of reading the Bible. There is no right way. It will speak to you as it will speak to you, and God will speak to you as he will yeah. speak to you, or she will speak to you as yeah. you're looking at me. Uh, okay. You know, uh, um, th- that's how it happens. And, and there never has been, and I suddenly realised that, no, Jesus didn't do it, and, and he would get thrown out of every preaching class. He's, he's terrible at exegesis. Yeah, you know he pays no attention, and you can, of course you can argue. Well, obviously he's reading it a different way, and now we have this. We should read it in this other way, but you're wrong. Why? Why should I read the Bible in any other way than Jesus read it? I'm supposed to be Christ-like. <laughs> yeah. You know, what could be more Christ-like than reading Scripture in the way that Christ read it? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> that's just the point. So I, I suppose it's a call to freedom, really, to, to just yeah. go in there and try out different things and see what happens. You're great, and and I should say to listeners who haven't read the book, shame on you, first of all. But, for, but secondly, <laughs> no. Nick does then go on and list a whole load of times that scripture is being misquoted and quoted and, and thoroughly reinterpreted by Jesus yes. and yeah. others. Um, and, and that's uh, well worth a, a read. Yeah. Yeah. So so Jesus is a bit of a lawbreaker, a bit of a rebel mm. when it comes to scripture. And then you move on to a section uh, which is headed reading rabbinically. Oh, yeah. Reading rabbit. Have I said that right? Rabbinically? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how would one read like a rabbi? What would well, that mean for us? Well, there are a number of ways that they read it that we wouldn't. One was, you know, a highly symbolic way that uh, everything meant something and and uh, and they, they took attention to everything, and but it led to a lot of symbolism. 
I think one of the key ways is discussion, question and answer. It wasn't, a, you know, scripture for them, for the early rabbis, was not just a case of, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to stand and preach for 20 minutes. It was mm. talking with your disciples. It was certainly saying mm. things, making statements, saying, I think this. Quite often in some of the Jewish writings, you find two different opinions cited. Mm. You know, one rabbi says this, one rabbi says that. And you're just left to sort of think, okay, where do I go? And then you get this whole way of reading uh, called Midrash, mm. which I'm really interested in. And, I'm, and yeah. I think it was one of the failings of the book that I didn't do more research and I could. I, I need to find out a lot more. Uh, don't I need beat to yourself work. up. No, no, it's okay. I, I'm happy. But no, <laughs> I just... I just want to cry. No, I'm good. Um, you know, but it's just, it's a way of almost weaving yeah. story around the story. You have to contain the whole story within it. Yeah. But you, 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 you can weave other things and it's, it's a, it's an imaginative whirlpool of, 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 of reflection on what these stories are. So the, mm-hmm. it's really quite exciting, quite interesting. And it's really letting your, Curiosity and your imagination go wild, and I'm, I'm one of the things I I look I want to sort of research and look at in the future is what does what does that kind of Bible reading look like today? Mm-hmm. How would we how would we get on with it? How can we enjoy that? So um, uh, I'll put I'll put a link up to yeah. some uh, books and maybe there is a, I mentioned in our time earlier that there's a good in our time podcast on Midrash actually it's okay. really interesting. So okay. I'll put a yeah. couple of links up. That'd be it's, great. Um, other, I'm sure that many of our listeners. All of them virtually being more intelligent than you and me, yes, we'll we'll know a bit more about it than I do. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think helpful. it's just about freedom and, and about I, enjoying it and and really relishing the kind of discussion yeah. and yeah. The, the possibilities of this text. But it's strange, isn't it? And I can't forgive me. I can't now remember what the two Greek words were for um, preaching that uh, are uh, translated. Neither of them were the idea that someone would just speak for 25 minutes and then you'd sit down and sing a hymn and go home. Oh, yeah. You mean to preach it? So it's the two, the, there's a Latin word, serma, which from which we get sermon, and the Greek word homileo, from which we get homily, and they both mean conversation. They have far more sense of a two-way yeah. discussion and engagement. So it's strange that we've got, where we've got to as Christians in the tradition of, well, we go and we sit and we listen and we don't interact and we don't, you know question we just receive mm. the authority of the preacher and then go mm. home and uh meant to agree with everything so you need much more like I, I think this is probably i don't know if this is what you do in in soul place but just you know talking reflecting yeah. on the text what yeah. does this mean for you i'll tell you what we do well first of all we have this time where everyone one at a time without interruption can say how they're responding to a text uh, and then we have a phase after that where there is then a discussion because we find if we just try and do a discussion, then the loudmouths like me all speak mm. and those that want to be more considered and thoughtful about what they want to reflect on don't get a chance to speak. So it's quite important to do those two things. But yeah, it, the point is we're receiving a bit of information either from the Bible or a text or a commentary and then we're we're interacting with it. And mm. it seems to be a far more wholesome, helpful process, I have to say. Not that we're yeah. perfect in any way, but it, it seems to work well. No, and I'd be really interested to hear from people about how they do that and how we can encourage yeah. this. And mm. For me, I think it's just bringing an attitude to Scripture that you are not there to find the right answer, you know, the right meaning of this passage necessarily. Now, it might be important points where you do need mm. to do that, but that's not really... You're there to hear from God and yeah. 
uh, how God does that through Scripture yeah. varies from person to person, really. Okay, look, I don't, mm. I, you know, I, I hate to read to hurry us on. And oh course, no, I want to finish. We it are all, getting please. emails from people saying we're going far too quickly through this, and you know, God bless you. Too quick for some, way too slow for others, I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> but before you sort of wrap up the book, mm. you've got this section that you've headed "Be the Badly Behaved Bible." Yeah. Oh. Mystic. Ooh. No. Just, I'm just providing some mystic music. Thank you. That's uh, we're asking you to become... our mysticism hotline. Hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so what? So you're encouraging us to be like a library of books. What do you mean? Be well. It came from bad. a phrase in mm. one of Paul's letters. He says, yeah. "You know, you you become a, almost a living letter." We yeah. It's it's a cliche, isn't it? It's that it's that old cliche of you will you 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 will probably be the only Bible that people ever read. Yeah. Most people are never going to pick this thing up. I would think even you know huge percentage of Christians never really pick up their Bible. Right. So the question is, how are you living out what you find within Scripture? And I think that's the. I know this is one of your you know favorite themes, and it comes back on to yeah. incarnation, which is where yeah. I think this is yeah. all about really. Yep. That that it, the Bible is an incarnation. I think of God mm. in some respects. You know, it can be, um, mm. and. And we can be similarly. We can. Yeah. I don't mean you know on the same level as Jesus, but I mean we, God could. Well, actually, but that's that's where a we're possibility aiming. there. That's where we're yeah. going. So yeah. you know, I think it's more much more important that people sort of encounter the truth, the deep truths of um, Scripture through us first and foremost. And that's why I think you have to read it really, because I think they are there for you to live out. Exactly. Um, you have raised so many questions as we've gone through this, and. Um, I, I think we're going to wrap this whole thing up by reading um, from page 249 mm. to the end. Um, do you want to read it or shall I? Uh, okay. I, 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 thought, I, I felt that you should. But before we right. do read it, one, genuinely, Nick, thank you for writing this book. I, I, I really think I've got more from it, actually, the more I've read it, uh, which is interesting. Uh, that's very kind different of things. No, it's been terrific. And, and I think... Um, you know, one of the things that's sort of really important to say to people is, look, if you haven't got your questions in yet, we're going away for a few weeks. Do please write over the next mm. few weeks. Send them in and, you know, we'll come back maybe with one or two episodes just on your comments and reflections yeah, okay. on how we engage with this. Because I think, you know, it really has been a terrific experience for those of us who've uh, gone through it with you. And hopefully for those who haven't read the book, um, hopefully these, you know, podcasts yeah. have been OK. Uh, anyway, thanks for um, sticking with us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, what I suggest we do is we'll say goodbye and then I'll read it and then yes, fade off. Into we will be back soon. Screen. It'd be like the it'd be like the sort of book at bedtime. Yes, on Radio okay. Four. Oh, yeah. Let me introduce you then. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Right. Well, thank you for listening. Anyway, right, go, thank go, you go. for listening. Right. Goodbye. But uh, I'm delighted to say I'm going to hand over now to the author of the badly behaved Bible, thinking again about the story of Scripture as he takes us home now. Thank you. Too many people today think that reading the Bible is a waste of time. And loads of those who think this way are sitting in our pews and looking as though they are listening to the sermons. What will change their minds? Not, I suggest, carrying on talking about scripture in the same old way. Those days are gone. Instead, those of us who care about the Bible have to help people engage with it in new, dynamic ways. We have to help people to see the Bible not as an archaic text or a doctrinal encyclopedia or as a set of instructions handed down from on high, but as a place where God shows up. 
And we have to be aware that when we view scripture this way, it will not do what we want. It will surprise us and challenge us and catch us unawares because the Bible never behaves itself. Today, the need to understand what the Bible is, where it came from and how we can read it is more important than ever. The issues that are currently exercising and indeed dividing the church, things such as same-sex relationships, gender equality, the use of money, the use of violence, all have at their root competing ways of reading the Bible. And in each of these incredibly complex areas, and many more, the Bible is weaponized. Opponents throw verses at each other like spears. We shout our war chants. The Bible says, as scripture clearly shows, this is the word of God. But the Bible refuses to play those kinds of games. We want to control the Bible, harness it, tame it, so that we can ride it into battle. But the Bible bucks and rears and throws us off. We want to pin the Bible down so that it proves our theology, but the Bible evades capture and plays hide-and-seek. We want to master the text, but the text insists on overwhelming us. We want answers, but the Bible keeps firing questions. We want to define it and it keeps changing shape. We want it to tell us what to do and it keeps telling us to think. We put it on a pedestal and it jumps down and runs away. We want to make the Bible dance to our tune, but the Bible has music of its own. The Bible is an invitation. The Bible is a call. The breath of God lifts its pages. They rise and fall with his breathing. So open the book. Inhale the breath of God. Become the story. As my favourite Doctor Who, Matt Smith, said, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one, eh?